Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson mini-sode. Uh, last week, we talked about William Wyler's Ben-Hur, the best picture of 1959. This week, we'll be talking about the best picture of 1958, uh, Vincent Minnelli's Gigi. Uh, but I'm, I can't talk about this on my own. I have too many thoughts, but I, but I need to bounce them off of somebody. And uh, like... Like when you throw a tennis ball against a wall and the human wall for me is Josh Long. Josh, how you doing? The human wall. That's you. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> you should be a goalie because yeah. then that would be like a great uh, nickname. Yeah. But as it turns but out. I have to actually be good at, at doing that. You could though, right? I mean. I'm, I, how different is Frisbee than hockey? Come on. Or <laughs> soccer. I think I'd be okay, but not that. I'd be worse at, at hockey than soccer. Probably. Sure, you got to stay up on those skates, right? Oof, yeah. I never learned to ice skate. It felt uh, dangerous to me. I I did learn to, but a friend's sister uh, had she fell on the ice at one point, and someone ran over her finger, yep. and, like either cut the tip of it off or something like that. So I I, yep. I can't argue with you there on the unsafe thing. Didn't occur to me at the time, I guess, until that happened to that girl. And I was like, oh, no, that's it for me. I heard one thing them. happen to one person one time. I'm done. Yeah, they do call them blades on the exactly. end of the skate. So that's kind of. Yeah. No, thank you. Not for me. Uh, but one thing I do enjoy doing is watching movies. <laughs> that's my clumsy Oof, transition I, into this. Um, I think I separated my shoulder in that segue. <laughs> uh, the podcast is over. So. Um, Okay, so uh, today we're talking about uh, Gigi, a film that I had not seen before. This is a film that I saw uh, solely for the purposes of uh, discussing Best Picture. Um, so I watched it last week, and I'm going to say boo. <laughs> Hiss. <laughs> no, thank you. It has its moments. Yes. There are th there are. There's one moment that I find incredibly inspired. Okay. The unfortunately that moment does not last 2 hours. Yeah. This it is astonishing to me. Astonishing. This is a musical with no memorable songs. There's Thank Heaven for Little Girls, yeah. which is like number 1. Okay. From then on, nothing. Like when we talked about seeing Oliver uh -huh. or My Fair Lady, films I had not seen before. I watched them, and then every few minutes, I'd be like, oh, that's what that song is for. Right, yeah. A song that literally uh, permeated culture. Right. And it actually came from this musical. Yeah. Interesting. No danger of that. Not really. With Gigi. No. Was, was Thank Heaven for Little Girls written for this musical? I actually am not sure. Um, it's so interesting, I have to assume it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, I, here's the thing. 
there's a lot of good things about Gigi. Like it's, there's a lot of good technical stuff. There's, you know, good costume design and all that. But like, honestly, okay. Every once in a while, I'll see a movie that will throw other movies into sharp relief, Mm -hmm. uh, and make me appreciate them more. Mm -hmm. I didn't really like Titanic until I saw Pearl Harbor. Hmm. Didn't really like gladiator until I saw kingdom of heaven to go back to last episode. Yeah. Every once in a while, there'll be a movie that I'm like, I didn't really like it that much. Then a worse version of it comes along (laughs) and like, Oh no, thank you. I didn't really like my fair lady Hmm. (laughs) until I saw Gigi. Yeah. I didn't really care for there. I think I liked Oliver more than my fair lady, but I mean, Gigi is just like, if ever you wanted to make an argument for the Academy, just being total suckers for a musical, no matter what, Right. This is the argument. Yeah. This makes Chicago look like, uh, well, let's say Ben-Hur, <laughs> you know, there's, it's just so, it feels so insubstantial. This film, it's it a feels trifle. like fluff and the, none of the characters are really that relatable. Like not really. No. Uh, am I, yeah. Leslie, uh, no, Louis, Louis Jordan Lewis. Yeah. I'll say Louis. Probably, Louis, probably. Uh, he's just like he—he's a rich kind of—I uh, don't know. He's kind of a jerk. Like he's a—he's yeah. a rich uh, uh, arist- aristocrat yeah. who doesn't seem to do anything and complains yeah. about how boring his, a bore. his uh, <laughs> lavish lifestyle is. Yeah. Until and he meets Gigi, and who is, I guess, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it, 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 we're, we rely on him to make us believe that she's interesting. Right. And I don't know that he really sells it that well. You know, and I can't help but think like Rex Harrison is infinitely more interesting yeah. than Louis Jordan, who, by the way, uh, when I, <laughs> when I saw Gigi and I saw Louis Jordan for the first time, I'm like, Hey, is that the villain from swamp thing? <laughs> I looked it up. It is. <laughs> Oh, good. Swamp Thing many years later. Uh, I have to assume the director of Swamp Thing was like, ah, who are we going to cast as this guy? Hey, <laughs> what are you watching over there? I think that's the guy because I want my uh, villain to be perpetually bored. Um, and then Leslie Karen does a fine enough job, but she's no Audrey Hepburn. And, yeah. and, and uh, oh my God, uh, Eliza, right? Eliza mm-hmm. Doolittle? Yeah. Uh, is a character I often found kind of annoying, but boy, at least she had a pulse. Right. And Gigi is delightful to a point, yeah. but I just don't care. I don't I d- care. I don't even remember. I remember so little about that character. Like yeah. I just remember that she's the central thing of the movie and that he falls in love with her and yeah. people seem to whirl around her in some sort of, yeah, it's almost like the movie had seen a lot of other the, the musical had was aware of a lot of other musicals yeah. and was like something like that. Like, well, it's Vincent Minnelli, who is a very capable director yeah. and he directed movies previously, yeah. musicals previously. And so I don't blame him for anything that's wrong with this film. I think it's just the story, the songs. Yeah. He did everything he could with it. And the stuff that I like about it are directorial decisions yeah. and visual decisions. But like, and the the writer, it's Lerner and Lowe, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. Which it, to me has always been too close to Leopold and Loeb, and I have to think <laughs> for a second to remember which one's which. But I, I don't know what other musicals they did. I know they were like a musical writing team. Yeah. I'm sure. I There's a reason this is the first time I've heard of them. Yeah, I'm wondering if. I just don't like theirs in general, and maybe theirs just don't have the same lasting power that some of the other ones have. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's it feels like there's very little to it. And then the, <laughs> we have this like bumbling kind of. Uh, a hard to define character in Maurice Chevalier. Yeah. Who's he's his uncle. He's Louis Jordan's uncle. And he's sort of supposed to like, like he almost in a way acts as like a Greek chorus. Like he's kind of commenting yeah, he, on the things he that talks are to us. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> at the same time, we're like, well, who, what, what is he? Like who, no. who oh, is he's he? He's a total creeper is what <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Thank heaven for little girl songs, a little bit creepy. And then I, I can't help but laugh at that other song he has with the old woman where mm-hmm. he's talking about oh i remember it well i think is the name of the song yeah and that that song actually was memorable simply because of the concept and it's a it's well executed given the concept uh-huh. it's still silly it's yeah still it's a, a song silly comment and, and it's kind of like a you realize quickly like this is a gimmick yeah and then once you go past the gimmick into the reality of it you're like this isn't He's just some cat who doesn't remember anything. Like, yeah. And he's just making all of this up yeah. or something. And we're meant to believe that this woman finds it somehow charming that he has forgotten everything important about right. their relationship. Like, it seems <laughs> like that bad guy who's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we met at a bar, remember? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. You expect the woman to be like, please just leave me alone. Well, and I'll say that Maurice Chevalier does... He does jump out at me uh, in the film because mm-hmm. I think he just he has some on, some genuine on screen charisma. He does, and and he was just a person who had yeah. charisma. But then at the same time, he is nearing the end of his career, so yeah. he's he's relying a little bit on people remembering enough sure. about him. Yeah. Like I, there are, I think the the peak of Maurice Chevalier was in like the mid to early thirties. So yeah, it's by this point he's, he's yeah, yeah, they're, they're kind of pulling him out of retirement a little bit and you can see the performer there. You can see that he has has been a performer and he's a natural performer, but he's still, uh, I think the fact that he's this late into his career kind of hurts him a little bit. It's hard not to. And I think, which leads me to believe, and I guess we should have looked it up beforehand. Um, which him singing thank heaven for little girls the reason that i think that it existed previously to this film is because it almost seemed and that it was that it was his song mm-hmm. because the the fact that it starts it kicks off the film it's almost like like it's using a guy you know singing a song you know to welcome you into a film you don't know yeah um it feels almost like like a wink at you like ah yeah. you know this song right um but let's talk about that song for a minute. <laughs> Here, here's the first thing I'll say about that song. The first thing that I think about it anytime I think about it is a moment from uh, one of the Pink Panther movies. Right. Uh, where I, I'm trying, I don't remember the exact context, but he, Peter uh, Sellers. Sellers is just singing it off the cuff at one point. Yeah. And he changes the words, words do thank heaven for little girls. They keep on getting smaller every day, <laughs> which has to be an ad lib probably. And that's uh, my association with the song is from wag the dog hmm. where there's. So in that film, the president has been accused of a, of a, like a, a Lewinsky type affair um, where he's, you know, 
accused of being sexually involved with this much younger woman. And so there's a, a commercial that's going out now, like it's during an election. So the, the opposing candidate has put out a commercial where it shows like the white house and it's playing, you know, hail to the chief. And it's like, it's like, but these days there's a different song coming out of the white house and they start playing. Thank heaven for little girls. And it's, <laughs> it's you know, like, Hey, if this were a, if this were an actual political ad, it'd be pretty effective, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, Thank heaven for little girls because they get older every day. So what he's essentially saying here is, you know, thank God for young women, like women that I, that are like in their late teens, early twenties. And I can, and I can be with them. Like thank, thank heaven for little girls. Cause they'll eventually get older, but not, not too old. <laughs> you could just say, thank heaven for young women now. Right. But no, it's a weird thing. I yeah. mean, Pete, honestly, to go political, there was uh, there's this old footage of uh, Donald Trump with his uh, young daughter. It's it's several years old now. Uh -huh. And she's, I think, 10 or 11. And she's, you know, very, very uh, not attractive, but she's a gorgeous young girl. And he's talking about like, he goes, you know, 10 years old, you know, 10 years older and I'd be, I'd be dating her. And it's like, well, he's <laughs> commenting on the fact that he dates young women, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, talk about it with young women. It's yeah. still kind of creepy by the way. Yeah. Don't use a, your daughter and be your underage daughter to make a point, yeah. much less a joke. Yeah. It's just like, it's super creepy. It just comes off in poor taste. It seems so very French to me. Yeah. No offense to French listeners, <laughs> but you know what you are. <laughs> <laughs> this this is saying here that the it looks like the song was written for it was the written film. for the film okay yeah. um so so i feel like we're bashing the movie again it looks very good you know good costumes good art direction all the things that you would find in a musical of this time um and i will mention the two the the two moments that really struck me one is that they toy with the idea of of the gossip culture of their city and of their class. And what happens is uh, whenever somebody walks in uh, to this, like this hip cafe and everybody's talking, everything freezes. There's no sound, no music. Everyone freezes and starts like, and just, they watch the person walk in and then they just like quietly talk to each other. Hmm. And I remember, and it happens all the time. Like it really, it's jarring and it, and it, what it's conveying is that like, even as these characters are, even as this group is talking and they seem to not be paying attention to you. Oh, they all, they all hmm. see who you're coming in with and they're all talking to each other about it. And then it happens enough times. It's like, that's great. That's a really nice inspired idea. Hmm. Um, the other is, uh, during, I believe the song Gigi, uh, where Louis Jordan is, is walking along. I don't think it's all one shot, but it's all one long sequence in which he's just like walking down the the boulevard walking through a park and it's a really nice long sequence and it's a per it's a perfectly fine song and it just seems very charming it's everything that like this is this is a this musical does not have any spectacle to it but vincent minnelli understands that like there needs to be a certain virtuosic quality to hmm. it and in that sequence there is and it was a really nice moment and it's a movie it's honestly a moment that belonged in a better movie hmm. um but beyond that, like, I just, I, 
I feel bad being so negative about any movie, especially one that does have some good elements, but it's just, it's so, I mean, I watched it last week and I don't remember anything, <laughs> you know, I yeah. still remember things about Oliver. I still remember things about my fair lady. And I, that, that was months ago at this point. Yeah. Gigi is, was, it was like steam. It it's of, gone yeah, immediately. It comes and goes. It's funny. I was just looking up some, uh, some other learner and low ones and they actually did my fair lady. So it's interesting that that interesting. kind of draws a comparison in your head. Like there are similarities, but something about that one is better. It might be that it was based on something. Yeah, it could be. Maybe Gigi is, ba- I think Gigi is based on something. Yes, it is. Is it? It is based on, I believe a book, um, written by a, I believe a woman with one name. Cher. It's not Cher. Charo. It's Charo. Okay. That's it. Uh, <laughs> it's either Charo or Twiggy. I can't remember which. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I, I feel bad being negative about the film, but what can I say? Here's what I will say, though. Let's take a look at these other... Okay, so... The film one, picture, director, adapted screenplay, cinematography, art direction, costume design, editing, original song, and score. Won a bunch of Oscars. It won everything it was, it was nominated eight for. Oscars, which yeah. is, I think at the time it held a record. The, the next year, Ben-Hur would break the record by winning, I yeah. think, 11. Yeah, and they but, would hold uh, that for a while. Yeah, but this year, that eight, yeah. it, it at least tied a record yeah. of eight. Yeah, this is a film that swept yeah. the Oscars. Which is amazing to yeah. me. Is it? Let's look at the well. other Best Picture nominees. <laughs> Auntie Mame, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Uh, the Defiant Ones, Separate Tables. I've seen none of these. I've I seen know Cat, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. I'm sure is, that's very good. It's Tennessee Williams. Right, but, you know. but it only... Uh, I was going to say it's only good because it's Tennessee Williams, but that's not t- totally true because it's got Paul Newman in it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have yet to see a bad Paul Newman performance. Um, I, think, I feel like I've seen some of this movie and maybe not the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Seems like the kind of thing that uh, they would have you watch a scene or two from in high school if yeah, you did theater. Yeah, totally. Um, um so I, I, what I remember about that one is, is good, but, uh, still not one that shoots to the top of people's lists right. usually. Like if people are going to talk about a Tennessee Williams adaptation, they're going to talk about a streetcar named desire. Right. And this will be seen as not lesser, but it's just not at the forefront of their mind. Right. Um, I've heard things about, I've heard good things about separate tables. I believe that's the film. I believe that's the one that, uh, David Niven won best actor for. Hmm. Um, and that in itself is enough to interest me because yeah. I like David Niven as an yeah. actor. Um, and, and, and I've heard good things about the defiant ones. Yeah. Which I don't, that, that's a war film, right? I believe so. Yeah. I no. I think is that, I thought it's the one where um, it's Sidney Poitier and uh, is it Tony Curtis? Oh, like maybe you're right. Prisoners that are... Uh, They're like chained to each other. Yeah, yeah I think, I think you're right. One. What am I thinking of? I don't know. I'm thinking of the big red one. That's it, yes. <laughs> and neither uh, of these guys are big or red. <laughs> well, they might be communist. Who's to say? Uh, yes, that's what The Defiant Ones is. And it's directed by Stanley Kramer. Okay. So... Well. Yeah, I've heard yeah. good things about about. I've either heard of these movies or I've heard good things about them. Yeah, uh, and I've never seen uh, Anti Mame. Anti Mame feels like it's kind of the same as this one. It, yeah. It's one that I've seen parts of on TV, and it's like this one character that it, I think the tagline's even like "Everybody loves Anti Mame" or something like that. <laughs> oh Nobody God. doesn't like Sarah Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's probably about as substantial. It's, yeah, it's like like Sarah Lee snack cakes. It's like fine, <laughs> you know. Sure, yeah. you're not gonna have it for dinner though. Yeah, you're not gonna go. You're not gonna write home about it. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So like looking at these, I don't, I don't know if they're good or not. They might be great. Who's to say, I haven't seen them. None of them are, are as I'd say cat on a hot tin roof. And maybe the defiant ones are ones that people that I do hear people talking about, mm-hmm. but I don't hear them talking about in like the, the great movie conversations. Yeah. Um, other notable 1958 releases. I, I feel like we need to go down this. Let, let's go down this list kind of slow. Yeah, yeah. So and then see where we end up. Exactly. <laughs> so got Ashes and Diamonds, which is an Andre uh, Vajda film, which I, I still haven't seen because I watched the first movie in that trilogy, which is a generation. A generation, and I have not seen Canal. I've only Can- seen I've only seen Canal. Canal, and uh, so I haven't seen Ashes and Diamonds yeah. either. So I, I'd like to see that one, but and I've heard it's very good, but I, I don't know about it. Yeah. Uh, um, the Ballad of Narayama, which I have seen and is very, very good. I don't know too much about that one. It's it is Japanese? Or yeah, it, okay. and it's inspired by Kabuki Theater, and oh, cool. it's really interesting. I actually have it on Blu-ray. I had to review it, and it's, it's quite good. And that seems like if it's inspired by Kabuki, it would have to be at least visually interesting. It Boy, it sure is. That's cool. Um, uh, the Big Country, which I think, for reasons I can't figure out, I believe I know this movie is the one that Burl Ives won an Oscar yes, for. Burl Ives won an Oscar okay. for playing a villain. That's awesome. <laughs> it's... If you haven't seen it before, I think actually you'd get a lot out of it. And I was it, looking it up because I recently saw White Dog, which Burl Ives is in. Yeah. And so I was looking him up and uh, saw this uh, big country thing. And as I was looking it up, I'm like, that sounds pretty good, actually. It, it, it is a very good movie, actually. And it's it's got a lot of big... I'm, uh, it's got Gregory Peck. It's got yeah. Charlton Heston. It's like... It seems like a Best Picture nominee, It, it does, it? kind of. And... It's, it's a very good Western. I haven't yeah. seen it for years, but I like that one. Uh, Brothers Karamazov, which I've never seen. Um, I haven't either. I, I, I just read it recently, so I'm kind of curious to see an adaptation of it because I... Some of it. Doesn't I hear feel the like adaptation's would, not that great. I feel like it'd be hard to adapt. It doesn't yeah. seem like it works that well in the in a movie format. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Damn Yankees! Haven't I haven't seen a lot of these to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, Elevator to the Gallows is very good. Who directed That's, that? Uh, Louis Malle. Okay, yeah. And I think it's his first film. If not, if not his first, it's one of. I was his about first. to say. I forget how long he's been working. Like he's, <laughs> yeah, I know. But if this is the first one, that's that's uh, a little bit more understandable. Yeah, and that's that's a very propulsive film. Yeah. Uh, the Fly, the Vincent Price film, the sci-fi film. Uh, I want to live! Exclamation <laughs> point. Um, which I think won Best Actress. Now that I think, about I think it. you might be right. Um, yeah. Indiscreet. I don't know what that is. I don't remember which one that is. That might be... No, that's not a Hitchcock film because he did something else this year. Um, Ivan the Terrible Part 2, which I've heard wonderful things about. Again, these are all things that I've heard great things about. Yeah. The Long Hot Summer, um, which... (laughs) Here's what I remember. Here's what I know about The Long Hot Summer is that Orson Welles is in it playing a character I believe called like Big Daddy. (laughs) And he's basically like... It's this Southern thing and he's playing a, a sort of a... Like the the head of a ranch or something like that. And Wells decided like he was going to get really Southern about it and apparently had to re-record all his dialogue. Cause the, cause when he, when he did it on set, it was almost unintelligible. That's how Southern he decided he was going to be. Oh, Orson Wells, will you ever stop being difficult? Uh, Mon uncle, which again, I haven't seen. Hmm. The old man in the sea. I believe this is the one with Spencer Tracy, which I have seen. Okay. Uh, some came running. Haven't seen that one. Now we get to the last two on this list. Now, obviously, there are mo- more movies released this year, but these are the ones that I that I listed. Um, uh, these are the notable ones. So we've got Orson Welles' Touch of Evil mm-hmm. and uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. So, al- and I, I listed these alphabetically, so these just happen right. to be the last the two. Very, <laughs> I was going down the list, and I was like, 
yeah. as I'm looking through, I'm like, you know, there really weren't a whole lot of good movies. I mean, I like big, I, I was almost to the bottom and I was like, I think my favorite movie this year is, is, uh, the big country. And then I got to the bottom and I was like, Oh wait, no, kidding sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, touch of evil is amazing. Uh, it's a wonderful film noir. We were talking last week about, uh, Charlton Heston. Uh, he's in the film does a perfectly fine job. I think it's maybe, I don't know if it's my favorite Orson Welles performance because he's pretty great as Falstaff and obviously Kane. He's wonderful in two, but it's a really, really complex performance that I, that I love. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's shot wonderfully and it's just a, everything about it is, is a really wonderful achievement, but obviously it's not the type of movie that's going to get nominated for Oscars because nobody knew about it. Yeah. It was like, it was a B picture that made no money Hmm. and it's the film that basically guaranteed Wells would never work in Hollywood again. (laughs) Not because he did anything wrong, but because it was just nothing. Yeah. It was a non-entity. Um, everybody was out saying Gigi. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then we have Alfred Hitchcock's vertigo, which, uh, sight and sound four years ago, finally bumped up. I say finally, like we were all waiting for it, but, uh, it bumped citizen Kane to number two, uh, after like five decades and put uh, vertigo in the number one spot. Yeah. Now I, up until somewhat recently thought vertigo was great, but it wasn't like for me, like a, a towering Hitchcock achievement. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I took a Hitchcock class over the summer. I wrote a paper about the way Hitchcock used Jimmy Stewart and just everything about vertigo is, astonishing yeah uh jen and i went to the hollywood bowl over the summer and uh several times and one of the times that we saw like movie music and it was just various pieces and one of them was like the sort of the love theme from vertigo Hmm. and it's so beautiful (laughs) i do think this it might be bernard herman's best work and i don't Hmm. say that lightly um i don't know i assume you're a fan of vertigo right you seem like you would I enjoy am. it. And you know what? It's one I've only seen once. And Really? Uh, th- this is one that for years I've been like, I need to watch that movie again. And sometimes good movies like that, you know you've seen already. It's hard to yeah. like rem- give yourself a reason to see it again, even if no reason is still a reason. Um, but I-, I feel like this is one of those ones people talk about being a masterpiece, and I feel like that's totally fair. Yeah. And... You know, it's funny because I, I was saying I get to the bottom of this list and I think, why was Vertigo not nominated, let alone the winner? But it didn't then, make a lot of money that well, year. And when you think about it, I think it's too ahead of its time, really. Absolutely. You just spoke about Touch of Evil not really making any money and, and being kind of something that didn't didn't work for people. Yeah. And I can totally see that being the thing with Vertigo. Like yeah. they, it, it delves into a lot of the psychological stuff yeah. that would have been a little off putting for people. And even, even, uh, uh, the structure might not even fly today, you know, as a, as a conventional thriller, it doesn't qualify at all. Yeah. Especially for the time yeah. and especially Hitchcock. Like this was a huge, a big departure for him. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's worth noting that like he did this, didn't make a lot of money. It's like, okay, I'm doing North by Northwest. <laughs> yeah. You know, which, which is very Hitchcockian and a, a marvelous film, but like mm-hmm. it definitely felt safer than Vertigo. Like, right. Vertigo is the kind of movie that I, you kind of get, you watch it and you feel like, yeah, the director sort of had to make this. Like mm-hmm. there's just something in him that wants to explore this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it is, what beautiful use of color, wonderful score, great performances all around. And you're right. That structure, because there's a twist. 
Yeah. But the twist doesn't come at the end. A lot no. of people think it does. Yeah. But no, it comes like with about 25 minutes left. Yeah. And that's something that for a long time I myself viewed as something of a flaw. And then in, in talking about it in this uh, Hitchcock class, I realized like, no, it's not a flaw. It's a shift in perspective. Right. It goes from Jimmy Stewart to Kim Novak. Yeah. And only through doing that do you start to see just how kind of monstrous Jimmy Stewart is. Right. Being. Yeah. Because it totally. Sh- I remember being jarred by that, seeing yeah. it, how differently you suddenly start to see him. Yeah. It is because she is, you know, she's basically like the instrument of a much worse person, but she herself is not that bad of a person. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's a film that is heartbreaking. I was talking about that music. I mean, you know, there's, there's the opening bit of, of, you know, kind of mind bendy type music from vertigo, which is in itself gorgeous. But again, that love theme is almost heartbreaking. Like it's there, there's not a lot of movie music, that on its own might like make me cry. Hmm. But that bit of music Mm. is, is up there. Yeah. Um, and it's worth noting that we have now spoken as much about vertigo (laughs) as we did about Gigi, which won best picture that year. Gigi is a film, you know, I was talking last week about Ben Hur being a movie that like film people don't talk about much, much, Mm -hmm. but they still talk about it. And if you mention it, if you say it, I think they'll probably be like, Oh yeah. What it is. Gigi is a film that gets nothing but blank stares, including from me. Yeah. (laughs) It's a film that I seem to recall one best picture for, uh, I think sometime in the fifties. Yeah. Couldn't have told you who directed it. Couldn't have told you anybody in it. Still kind of can't. Yeah. Um, couldn't have told you any music from it. And it's just like, it is just completely evaporated. And it's not, it's not trying to tackle anything heavy. No, it's just supposed to be a fun little movie while you're watching it and it's passable, but boy, oh boy, who cares? (laughs) You know, I hate to put it that way. Yeah. I don't like to be, I don't like to be dismissive of something that people clearly put effort into, but my mind can't help it. My mind has dismissed the movie because yeah. I don't, I remember virtually nothing about it. Yeah. Um, you remember whereas, it well. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we got to end on that. Um, so yeah. Uh, now if somebody, yeah, I, I think we've answered our own question. Uh, you know, if somebody were to say, Hey, I was thinking watching Gigi, do you think I should? I think I'd say what? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. And I think even if, even if somebody is a fan, a big fan of musicals, if they're a completist, sure. Yeah. If they're merely a big fan, I f- I'd feel like I'd say, yeah, you can skip it. I don't yeah. know. What do you think? I-, I could see people and people who are really into musicals enjoying it. Yeah, I guess so. Good. And I guess I'm not that into musicals, so I guess that's me. Right. And I f- that's why I feel like I can't speak to that necessarily because I'm the same way. I'm not I'm not real big into musicals. I've, I've seen several that I enjoy. And there are certain like I feel like every Stanley Donna musical musical I see, I'm like, oh, OK, this is great. Sure. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah. All right. All right. So the verdict is in Gigi. No, thank you. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, the next one of these we do, which I don't know when it'll post, but the next one of these we do will be about the best picture of 1957. David leans the bridge on the river Kwai. So stay tuned for that. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening. Josh, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.